Welcome back to the DC3Cast. I am Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We're going to talk about Rebirth books this week. Be warned, spoilers are coming up. So if you haven't read this week's books yet, well, because last week's books yet, um, pause the podcast, read the books, and come back and join us. We're going to plow through uh, some stuff pretty fast. There's a lot to talk about. Um, too many books, guys. Yeah. Too many books. Too many books. Too many books. Yeah. I'm smart. (laughs) Uh, There's a lot of books here. But we're going to start with All-Star Batman number three, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by John Romita Jr., backup illustrated by Declan Shalvey. What would you guys think? Um, It was was really good. I like like the backup more than whatever's going on in the, the main story now. I... I don't know if I need, like, <clears throat> tiny Harvey Dent and tiny Bruce Wayne being buddies. <laughs> That's a weird, <laughs> weird development. <laughs> it's right up there with that Harold Allnut reveal. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Harold, good old Harold Allnut. What? What? Allnut, the, like, the, 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 like... Deaf guy or whatever. Oh, that... oh, I, yeah, I... Deaf, deaf blunt, dumb, and blind guy he 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 sure fixes a mean i instantly forgot about him (laughs) i I instantly forgot about him (laughs) (laughs) how could you forget about harold allnott uh genius inventor mute family (laughs) um yeah so you know this is this is a fun book i like what snyder is doing with a lot of it uh, John Romita's artwork continues to get worse with each issue. Yeah, which is just like the John Romita way. I um, I kind of like this idea of like every B level Bat villain coming, out, or I guess more like C level Bat villain coming after him. Oh, I love that. Like that's a lot of fun. Um, I I still I still have a problem with the price tag considerably. Mm. Yeah, you know it's two dollars more than any other rebirth book, and I don't really know why. Um, and I, I like the story that it's telling. I can't help but feel like though this is a weird use for Scott Snyder. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I still am liking this better than I think a lot of the New Fifty Two Batman stuff. It feels fresher. Yeah. To me, it's to me it's caught between, like the vintage Snyder that we know and mostly love, and and something that actually takes chances and is really fresh. Because, um, my like the ba- like for what I was saying earlier, the backup. I feel like the backup is like doing something different and taking a little bit of chances. You know. Yeah. Whereas the main title it's yet another like piece of bruce's history that's being woven into the greater narrative that we already know about batman and i don't feel like i need it much more of that you know like like you can only make so many of these dots connect before it feels contrived and i know it's superhero comics but but now he and harvey were you know best buds you know, pre- pretty soon we're going to learn that there literally was 
a school that they all went to and there was like the joker was the bully and like (laughs) it's funny i never really thought of this before but you just made me think of this batman is the character that we already know the most about his past and they keep giving us more about his past Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way one human being has lived this much in their lifetime. Right. But bat knuckles. <laughs> that was pretty fun. <laughs> oh. I, yeah, I do feel like this, this like, is Snyder at his, like, Snyder-iest. Like, he's just going full tilt. Just no no holds bar here yeah and it's pretty fun yeah i just think it's it's I mean, i've been thinking about this a lot lately so snyder is undoubtedly the biggest star they have writing wise right now uh-huh. he's signed to an exclusive his uh, american vampire is on hiatus which is his image book is on hiatus he's finishing up this graphic novel with Jeff Lemire. But really he's just writing one book right now. And I just I think it's very odd that DC and I know he's working on a big event book for next summer, but that's a long way off. I I think it's very odd the way they're using Scott Snyder right now. Yeah. They're giving the people what they want, really. Wouldn't the people want a second Snyder series? Well, I don't think that's I don't think that's feasible. I think he is writing whatever this big event is mm-hmm. and that's enough for him right now. I mean, he was doing Batman, Superman Unchained, and American Vampire all at the same time. He's also teaching a class. That's true. Him. Yeah, they're utilizing him more in that way. Okay, fair point. You win this one, Ostrowski. <laughs> Uh, anything else to say about this book? Uh, no, no. Yeah, it's still a, it's still a pull. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Big ups to Declan Chalvey. Oh yeah, that guy is good at comics. Um, that brings us to Doom Patrol number two, uh, written by Gerard Way, illustrated by Nick Darrington. Um. We get a little more story in this issue than we did last time. There's still plenty of weird. There were some really funny moments. Uh, we we start to, to see a little bit of a plot coming together. And uh, I dug this issue. What about you guys? Oh, man, this is my favorite thing this week. By far. Uh, definitely the best line in a comic this week is said by Robot Man. I hope you creeps are hungry because you're going to be eating a lot of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was interesting, too, because it kind of, like, helped clear up what the tone for these books are. Kind of, like, what the, you know, where the lines are. Right. In terms of, like, how far they can go. Yeah. Which I, you know, kind of assumed this would skew more vertigo, but... This kind of you know confirms that. Yeah. Yeah. No, this this to me is delivering on the promise of the of the creative team and the uh, the line itself. Yeah, I I kinda still can't believe that this book exists in the form that it does, you know? I hey, 
I had a, I had a thought while I was reading this. Okay. You know how this was how do Gerard Way was supposed to do a Doom Patrol with Becky Cloonan, like yeah, a year ago, like years ago or whatever. Yeah. I I wonder if we I'm I'm almost glad we didn't get that one because would it have been in its own line? Was that did that include Young Animal or was this something that was totally born out of giving it all another shot? You know, the book that we might have gotten, I'm sure it would have been great. But maybe it just would have been another kind of offbeat New 52 title that would have been lost to the wayside eventually. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is something completely different. Yeah, it feels so special. Like, Nick Darrington is – he's kind of like a revelation on this book, I feel like. Yeah. He does such a good job. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. I think I think the artwork looks great. I think that the, the book feels really special – and uh, to Vince's point, I don't know if it would have felt this special if it wasn't coming out as part of this, you know, pop-up imprint that they're putting together now. Um, do you guys think the story would have been relatively similar? I don't know. Um... He kind of re- he said he reworked the team quite a bit. Like two or three of the members are are the same, but. The other ones are different, so I, I can't imagine. I mean, maybe bits and pieces of it, but we'll never know. Right. Uh, we do get, we do start to meet other members of the team in this issue. You know, first time we see Flex, mm-hmm. um, we see more of Danny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is like one of the most interesting, like getting the band back together stories I've read in a long time. Yeah. You know, compare this to like... Uh, I don't want to say a mean thing, but like Teen Titans. <laughs> well, are you trying to say a robot, robot man didn't kidnap all of them just to bring them together for that one splash Actually, page? it seems more like Danny is doing that. I, I, that's true. That's Wait, true. is this just Teen Titans all over again? Oh, boy. <laughs> is John Boy Myers going to walk off this one, too? <laughs> He's going to walk on and then walk off. Oh, John Boy, keep us guessing. Keep us guessing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this is this is still firmly in the pull territory. Oh yeah, pulling hard, real hard. <laughs> and that Cape Carson teaser was pretty cool too. Yeah. Oh, I purposely didn't read that. Really? I don't. Yeah, I you know I read the Shade the Changing Girl one. Uh huh. And after reading the actual issue, which I loved, I wish I hadn't. Like I'm just gonna save those for. I'm I'm just gonna read the issue when it comes out. See, I had kind of forgotten it already by the time mm-hmm. that I read it, which I guess there was a little bit more time between those, so mm-hmm. this is coming out, I guess, in just a few days now, but um, there's, oh, oh, okay, I guess there's something really interesting in there that I can't wait to talk with you guys about. <laughs> uh, I love how, um, like, one of my, I don't want to say it was a concern with Young Animal, one of my thoughts about Young Animal was how how similar in tone will all the books be? And I don't, I don't mean similar. That's the wrong way to put it. How cohesive will the, will the line feel, right? Because all these books are doing very different things. How cohesive will the line feel? And so far, the books are not the same at all. But there is a consistency of tone to the line that I'm really enjoying. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the like, negative man sequence... Where like the the 
um, like the negative spirit is like flying through space. Like that felt like it exists in the same world that the shade does, right? That shade does. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Had the same thought. Yeah, this is good stuff. Uh, that brings us to Supergirl number two, written by Steve Orlando, illustrated by Brian Ching. Um, this uh, this issue deals almost exclusively with a confrontation between Kara and maybe her dad, Cyborg Superman, Zor-El. Um, a lot of it to do with um, sort of why Cyborg Superman looks the way he does and why when she fought him before, she didn't realize that, he, that it was her father, etc., etc., um, I'll say this about the issue. I, I enjoyed this issue. It there's a lot of uh, info being dumped on you in this issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's sort of the nature of this type of issue, you know. But uh, there is a lot more telling than showing here. Yeah, I kind of didn't love this issue for the reasons you mentioned, um, and also um, kind of skewing dangerously close to the TV show in terms of like retreading like character beats and, and content, I think with like the Catco stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, in a vacuum isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's still, you know, a good story. Um, and it's still very true. I think to like the tone of the book and to Supergirl, but, um, taken as a whole it's kind of you know it um i'd rather see it do its own thing yeah i think there's going to be an interesting line that this book's going to have to walk for a few months of like establishing what it is in light of the tv show and using the tv show connection when it's convenient but not being overly reliant on it it's going to take a while for this for this to all sort of work itself out um Vince, what do you think of the issue? Yeah, I I'm gonna pretty much echo what what Zach just got done saying. Um, but I I have to admit, so I, I I like this book and I can see what Steve Orlando's doing. Um, I just have to admit that I don't care, and this is not for any reason in particular other than I just prefer all the Supergirl scenes. Mm-hmm. I don't care what's going on with cat grant any of that at all <laughs> like you just i don't know why you just can't get me to care like anytime we're in one of those scenes i wish it was kara as supergirl navigating her way through uh the mysteries of her life or whatever is going on you know with her dad and all that stuff those scenes to me are great and they show the potential of this book and then the scenes with with Cat Grant and her on Earth are just kind of like, for, for right now anyway, they drag in comparison. So, um, you know, I, it's not bad. It's just I, I infinitely prefer the Supergirl scenes, and and I, I'm here for that book. I wonder how much of that is editorially driven. I don't know. I don't know. It's not as if those scenes. You know, I mean, like. They're not bad scenes, but I, I, I know what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's still got that Orlando dialogue. Like, he gets all the characters, you know. It's just that, for whatever reason, I, I guess it's kind of what Zach said. Like, I'm getting this from the TV show, 
and it's on on TV. It's almost by necessity because they can't. They don't have the ability to just show Supergirl all the time doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. Like they don't have the budget for that. And so you know, part of it is this like young adult drama, right? And and I I don't know. Like I guess I guess if I'm getting that from the TV show. I need only a dash of that in the con. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what I'm feeling right now. I, I understand all that. Um, I guess what's interesting is I don't know how caught up you guys are on the TV show. I'm I, not all the way caught up, caught up. You are? I'm not. I'm okay. still working on it. I'm through season one. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the premiere or the second. Okay. Uh, the the first two issues of issues, excuse me, the first two episodes of the second season deal a lot with Cat Grant and her kind of role on the show, and it's changing. I'm not gonna say how it's just changing a bit for the season, and so I think that's an that makes it even odder that the book is doubling down on Cat Grant. I mean, I also don't know if if Orlando and Co know what's happening on the show. I don't know how much corporate um, synergy there is there. You know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fine. I hope the book gets better in in terms of um, giving us more Supergirl action because I I think you know while while we singled out different different reasons we weren't super thrilled with this issue what what both what all of us were saying was that we wanted more Supergirl doing Supergirl stuff and so I hope the book gives us more of that as it goes forward. I think Brian Ching's artwork is really good. I really like what he's doing on the book. Um, I also kind of, and maybe this is just um, uh, been there, done that kind of fatigue talking here, but I feel like we need to start giving Kryptonians a different story than just bringing back Krypton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, that I I feel like I talk about this all the time, whether it's with you guys or just in general, but like, I so want them to bring back the feel uh, like bring back New Krypton. Like remember the 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 big New Krypton crossover mm -hmm. right right before Flashpoint and all that happened. Yeah, that wasn't like necessarily the greatest Superman story I've ever read. You know, but I love the idea and I love the feel of that. Yes, you know, that, th that these worlds coexist and that it was moving towards being about something more than bringing. Krypton back because here it was, you know, and now it's about how can it coexist, and then maybe it can be what can it, you know, what advances can Krypton make beyond that? And it's like we never got to that point, right? And, and I would love for Rebirth, and I thought it was going to go there with Superman with the Tomasi Superman book. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to go there again and just say, boom, here's new Krypton back, you know, and start exploring that again, but. I suppose it's way too early for that. Very possibly, yes. Um, are, are we are we all still pulling this book for the potential? Yeah, for the potential. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Steve Orlando. You know, I'm I. It's the needle is drifting towards pirate, but not for any fault of any. I just, I'm just not quite connecting with it, 100 percent yet. Mm -hmm. Understandable. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty much the same way. Yeah. All right. Next up is Superwoman, written by Phil Jimenez, illustrated by Emmanuel Lupino. We get a lot of uh, 
we had a lot of stuff. This issue felt very jam packed to me. This this book, you guys. <laughs> this book. Every issue's felt jam packed, and I'm so connected. Like I am so invested in everything going on in this book, and we. T- I think we kind of hinted at this a week or two ago, but. If, if you're looking for action comics to be representative of Superman and his entire world and cast and everything, this is the book that's actually doing all that stuff that I wanted action comics to do. Like, it's the, cra- it's the craziest DC book I read on the week that it comes out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, it, it goes so many places. Well, it's... One... it's... Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say it's interesting how much it's become like a Lex book as well as a Superwoman book. Yeah. Yeah. When when I interviewed um, Phil Jimenez about this book, he said that he and Dan Jurgens spend a lot of time talking about this because, as he put it, that we both share Metropolis and we both share Lex. And at the time, I was like, oh, that makes sense because Lex is, you know, a supporting character in the book. But Lex is almost a co-lead at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'd say probably close to half of the book was devoted to his storyline in this issue. Yeah. I also think what's cool is that Jimenez made it very clear that he sees the... Uh, not the not the sort of zombie one we've seen, but the, the Luthor Ultra Woman as Superwoman's arch nemesis. That we that that he's he's giving her a, a true supervillain of her own, and I think that's really cool. Yeah, and I, well, I like the build up to that too because we haven't actually seen them um, meet yet. I don't right. think that we haven't at all. So that's actually like that's pretty exciting. Like how they've kind of built her up as this you know formidable villain, having her kind of you know take out Lex. Um. That's really exciting. I will say, I think this is the first issue where maybe it was a little too verbose for me. Some of Lana's like inner monologue, I thought was a little repetitive and kind of monotonous. But that was just me. I don't disagree with that. There was a lot to, to digest in this issue. What I appreciate about this issue is, uh, we've we've touched on this briefly in the past few months, is that I feel like the, there is such a difference in the pacing between the twice-monthly books and the monthly books. But this book has so much jammed into it that it almost feels like one of the twice-monthly books. <laughs> you know, And so I, while there was certainly a lot coming out of everyone's mouth, I think it's because Jimenez and co. want this book to feel as lived in as action, even though action has had something like, you know... Has it been eight issues of action already? Seven issues of action? Mm, at yeah, least eight, at least seven or eight, yeah. And this is only the third Superwoman. But I feel like definitively more has happened in Superwoman. Yeah. It's a uh, man, there's just there's so many threads. You know, you've got you've got the you've got Superwoman and along with her you have Steel and his niece and Atomic Skulls running around. Which and... has been so great. Yeah, and then you have Lex doing his thing with all of these characters, and you know it. It feels like um, just kind of like the the Superman family adventures. You know, it's like this is this is the Superman family book. 
it reminds me of Detective in a lot of ways. Yeah. Atomic Skull is is fulfilling that uh, Clayface role. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, Steel and Natasha are, are very much, you know, yeah, it's, you put it well. It's, this is the Superman family book we've, we've wanted for a long time now. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, still pulling this one, definitely. Absolutely. Um, yep. While we're on the subject of it, do you want to go ahead and touch on action a little bit since it kind of crosses over? Sure. Um, so why don't you why don't you take us there, Zach? Okay. Um, so this issue is kind of a. It seemed like a standalone issue, but I guess it's maybe another. It's a start of like a two parter, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it focuses on the pre New Fifty Two Lois, um, kind of investigating the disappearance of um, the New Fifty Two Lois who as we know, is presumed dead in Superwoman um, and kind of taking her place at the Daily Planet and beginning this investigation, which I thought was a really cool idea, a really cool way of like blending the the two books together um, because that's kind of like a, a plot thread in Superwoman that hasn't gotten as much attention. So I thought it was a good, good use of that book because action has kind of been floundering a little bit. Um, and then at the end of the issue... Um, Old old Lois goes to new Lois's apartment and and finds Lana, um, so kind of setting up this sort of crossover between the two books. Which it's interesting that you mentioned Dan and uh, and Phil Jimenez working together. I'm on first name basis with Jurgens now, <laughs> um, because it really it kind of felt like that. But I realized that we say Jurgens the way that. Uh, John Cusack and Catherine Keener say Malkovich and being John Malkovich. <laughs> like we're just very familiar with it, with it, and we just we talk about him like he's one of our old pals. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh. This was probably the best issue of action so far. Yeah. I don't think it was great. I thought it was okay. I didn't like. I don't understand why Jurgens. Um, paced it the way he did we're like in the middle we get that dream of lois's that if you're not really paying attention is super weird because then she's in the woods for some reason and like <laughs> you really have to be paying attention to understand what's happening there mm-hmm. and uh, it's just very oddly paced yeah well it's also we you know we also got a bit of like the the tomasi superman stuff with um john and his friend mm-hmm um, it was a weird blending of all the different like s- things that are going on in the Superman books right now. Yeah, it was like <laughs> it was like Jurgens doing covers of all the Superman books. <laughs> Vince, you've been awfully quiet about this book. Oh, I hated it. You really <laughs> hated it? Yeah, yeah, I why? did. Tell me why. Because it's not. I mean, I don't want to spend too much time on it because I, I really just. You said it's the start of like a new two-part cross. To me, it feels like the ninth issue of the same shit we've been. I don't need Jurgens to try to explain to me in in, in nauseating detail how all the pre-post rebirth pre fifty-two Superman shit works anymore. And I don't like all this. Mi- the fact that 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 Clark and Lois are in their dining room calling their uh, 
calling uh, uh, New 52 Superman and Lois their counterparts. And like, my, well, Mike, that, that must have been my counterpart. It's like, just, just, oh, just get over it. I'm done with this. I'm done with, le- I'm done with them getting to the last page and then having somebody like pop out and be like, I'm going to get to the bottom. It's the same thing when like Superman came and took up to Clark and was like, I'm getting to the bottom of this one, Clark. And now like Lana's here and she's like, I'm not going to let you impersonate my friend. You know, it's just to me, this is all the same shit and they just need to get past it. And I understand what you guys mean as far as like maybe this is like the best. Maybe it is the best issue of action so far. But to me, it's all a soup that is like entirely too stuck on the same like what is the conflict of this issue yet again it's trying to explain to us how like rebirth lois is going to make up for the loss of new 52 lois or whatever i (laughs) man it's it's so funny that you are like reacting because i'm like i almost came at I came at it from like the exact opposite way. I felt like this was getting away from all of the stuff that I didn't like the like extra Clark stuff and giving like this Lois, like something interesting to do. Cause she kind of, you know, has been like relegated to just, I mean, she hasn't had a lot to do and, and I thought it was a great use of kind of like filling in, um, following up on plot threads from superwoman i I think you're right like yes i think you're right i think there were some good ideas i think that is a good use of her um but yes i think okay but then to brian's point where he's like i'm not sure why jurgens paced it like this yeah i'm not sure why we need an entire issue explaining i mean i I could have them like race to that plot point and all of a sudden Lois is in it. I don't need an entire issue of like her talking with Clark about it and talking about their counterparts and what part everybody is playing in this grand rebirth scheme to bury the old, you know, Jurgen's job seems to be to tidy this continuity all up. But he's doing it in the most convoluted way possible. He's taken nine issues so far, you know? And and we're nowhere clearer than we were before. Right, exactly. I'm fine. Like, I'm fine with some of the choices he's making, and I'm fine with the, the... I'm fine with what is going to appear to be the end result, as far as we can tell. But I'm not fine with, like quote-unquote, Action Comics has been a nine-issue ex- Voxplainer of <laughs> why the Rebirth characters all are what they are right now, you know? I So I, I do I do see your, your points. I, I totally do. And I, I do like the choices, and I like the status quo. I just hate how many issues it's taken to not get there yet. <laughs> and maybe that's a problem with the the greater book rather than this issue. But to me, this issue was like, okay, we're done with the, with the extra Clark for the time being, but now we're, now now he's back again. (laughs) Well, for, yeah, right. But now we're explaining what the extraneous Lois is doing, you know, like, (laughs) like, 
I don't know. There, there had to have been a way to do this in like two or three issues. Well, okay, l- let me pose this question to you guys, and I think I know the answer already, but I'm going to pose it anyway. Is there one bit of information that has happened in this book that has impacted any other super book? Because I will say this about every other super book. Supergirl's too new to maybe, and Supergirl's kind of in its own category, but Superwoman and Superman have both really impacted each other and have both really impacted this book. Has Jurgens written anything? Well, no, I think that kind of like plays into like what I was saying about like all of the other books funnel into this one, but not in like a meaning. This is like kind of the weird like warmed leftovers of all the other books you know it's yeah. like Jurgen's just like opens the fridge it's like oh, i'll take a little of this a little of that he mixes it all together on a plate and sticks it in the microwave and then he points at the microwave son of a bitch <laughs> oh man these comics really do just write themselves <laughs> they really do <laughs> oh man yeah i'm uh I feel slightly better about action comics, but I totally understand why Vince is never going to read another Jurgens comic. <laughs> well, I am. I am going to read these, though. That's the that's the painful burden I carry. But like, <laughs> but like, holy crap! Just like the promise of this book was so great, and man, just like take away the the god awful fight with Doomsday. And just condense all the explaining they've done into those, like, few issues. And then just move on and get to where we're going. I, are we going anywhere? I don't know. I don't think we are. That What I was going to say is I think that this is the... So th- there's this term among uh, uh, pretentious cinemaphiles called, like, hangout movies. Where, like, they say Days and Confused is the best hangout movie of all time. Like, you just want to sit and, like, observe those characters in their world. You don't really care what they're doing. You just like being in that world. And I feel like this is the hangout book. Like, we're just, we're hanging out in Metropolis. We're seeing all the cool shit that's happening. But but there's no real point to the book. Right. I'm not saying that's a good thing. I'm just saying if that's, the, uh, if that's the role of this book. Um... Anything else to add about this? No. Okay, let's move on to Detective Comics, written by Steve Orlando and James Tynan IV, illustrated by Andy McDonald. The conclusion of the Night of the Monster Man crossover. And, um, guys, I really enjoyed this issue. I gotta get this off my chest. Sure. I'm really disappointed that there wasn't a giant robot fight. Ah, uh, yes. Yep. Yeah, I could see that. Yep. I totally too thought when they were like getting in those towers that they were all gonna have their own like the kaiju lion. <laughs> I thought this was going going to be Batman Power Rangers. Yep. <laughs> yep. Nope, that's coming in January 2017 from Tom Taylor and Stephen Byrne. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yep. Uh, Corporate synergy. Um, <laughs> no, I I thought this had some really great moments. I think Nightwing. Diving into the mouth of the monster was pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. Man, Tynan gets Nightwing. He he's not in he's not in Detective, but he wrote him very very well. This issue, 
I guess that's Orlando too, but you know, it's, it's really, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Um, One thing I kind of noticed in this crossover that I thought was cool, that is that um, usually in these kind of books, the, the story beats kind of are, are paced so that the, the regular stars of that book get the highlight within their respective issue. And this crossover didn't do that. Like, um, like here, Nightwing got a really important moment in Detective Comics, and um, I think you know Gotham Girl had a big moment in Nightwing. I think, and just kind of like breaking out of those traditional crossover story constraints, I think made this a above average crossover. Yeah, yeah, and yet this still had a lot of the um, Bruce and um, Kate relationship in it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah so, that was so good this might be the best their relationship's been in this book so far yeah um yeah this is a great crossover mm-hmm. i know some folks who didn't like it oh boy but I, I don't get i don't know <laughs> i mean like this is and I, it, well i guess if you liked tom king's batman you were like whoa huh what's this this is good <laughs> Why are they interrupting my favorite comic? <laughs> oh, a, a very droll of you, sir. <laughs> the fishy and playground. Well, and, and, well, but in, in, in terms of like content too, this is like this is important stuff. I think to like the overall. Oh yeah, narrative. That's, that is what surprised me more than anything. Like I, I legitimately thought this might have like a mention or two of the status quo, just to uh, sort of put it in a time or place it it's actually advancing a couple things this is this directly sets up the next arc of batman mm-hmm. how great was uh was hugo strange putting on the bat suit again <laughs> yeah and sitting I on a say, of psychology books yeah the, uh, the like the the kill suit i thought was like the most snyder batman thing <laughs> that they could have done that is, this true. is a suit where if you touch me too hard i will explode i will die yep, yep. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> which, is also, which is also Orlando, I guess. I mean, they're both in that very like yeah pseudoscience ridiculousness vein. They both recognize comics for what they are as well. Uh-huh. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, great crossover, nicely done, Orlando and Co. Uh, next up, the Flash number eight, the conclusion to the first Flash arc. The Godspeed story. We also get, I believe, for the first time in certainly for the first time in the Flash, we get to see what the young Wally West um, as Kid Flash, mm-hmm. and we see that uh, a nice little bit of of Wally here that the, he has such a mastery of the Speed Force already that the Speed Force creates a suit for him, which is what happens to the other Wally West as well. Absolutely. This was my favorite issue, my favorite non-young animal uh, issue of the week. I thought this was really a really nice sort of wrap-up. Yeah. To me, this felt very much, uh, in the, specifically in the final pages, like a, a story beat you would have seen for Batman or Superman in the past. Like sure. vis- visiting the vanquished foe in prison. And talking to them like that to me, that's a very important DC um, 
trope that they go back to, but they only really do that with the big, big heroes. So yeah. it, it's nice to see the Flash kind of ri- being raised up to that level. Well, and that's very, it is kind of a Flash thing, too, with, like, the rogues. Mm-hmm. But but this is not the rogues at all. This is a totally new villain that they've created for him, and I think they did such a good job giving him, like, okay, it's not it's not the most original backstory in the world, you know? But it's totally, like, like within the world of the Flash, the, the science detective that he is, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, having the... Having the guy that August Hart killed not actually turn out to be the real killer that he thought he was, making August Hart essentially a murderer, is like the perfect capper to all this. Yes. And then the like that dovetailing with the series of events that led August Hart to prison in the first place making him into a villain like like before all of this shit happened with him and Barry if he would have found out that that wasn't really the real killer it might have devastated him you can see directly because of how Williamson set this all up how like now he basically doesn't care he's a villain you know right yeah like he's very cold to it 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 hits him and it kind of you know for a second he's stunned and then he's like well I guess I'm a bastard now, you know, whatever, you know, like this is his life now. And, and it's yeah. quite, it was quite a turn again, not the most original thing, but I think it was just really well done, really well paced. I love the way, uh, Ke- uh, <laughs> I was about to say Kevin Coley, um, <laughs> Dion De- Domenico, uh, Dion, D Gian Domenico, <laughs> um, Carmine, just call him Carmine, 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 good old Carmine, Carmine. Um, Gabagool. <laughs> <laughs> the way that he drew Dominic Kianese. <laughs> hey, Tone. <laughs> Tony So. <laughs> so. Sorry, Zach. We're going down a, an inside joke rabbit hole here about the Sopranos. <laughs> it's okay. I've never seen the Sopranos. Oh. I'm in the middle of season two of my fourth rewatch of the show. <laughs> um, but anyway, good year. Yeah, it is. It actually begins with that song too. That's that's why I said it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Carmine. Yeah. Anyway, I thought the way that he drew that sequence too was very compelling. Um, just a really master. I mean, it's it's the comic equivalent of what's probably the most memorable scene in The Dark Knight, which was when the Joker and Batman like face off in the in the Gotham PD. Yeah. You know, that that's the scene that everyone remembers uh, of their relationship, you know. And, and this was a really similar, really well done scene for Barry and his new frenemy. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, up until this point, I wasn't like super impressed with Godspeed just because we've had so many speedster villains. Um, but yeah, I really did like how Williamson tied it up at the end. And I think kind of redeemed the character for me not in like a a like i know what you mean you, you know what I mean? yeah exactly um it didn't redeem him from justice but redeemed right. him like story line wise yeah mm-hmm. yeah so to the point where i would like be excited for him to show up you know in like the second year of the book yeah in some capacity 
I actually, I was thinking about this after I finished reading the issue, how I think sometimes we are very, very quick to judge a, a first arc on a book. But I think that this arc set up so perfectly the tone I, that I, I believe Williamson is going for. Like this, you know, we see Barry as a teacher again and as a mentor, you know, to young Wally. We see him, you know, trying to help other people grapple with the Speed Force. We see him truly as this, you know, um, if, if he just let August get to the prison, he would have he would have been free of all these terrible murderers but we see the kind of the kind of heart that barry has i think this book did so much in the first eight issues to really establish itself for the tone it wants to set for the series going forward and i think that sometimes that that's not that doesn't make for the most exciting arc to read in real time but i appreciate what it's trying to do for the future this was the first issue that to me balanced both of those things since the second or third issue where it was exciting and it was good but it also you could clearly see that the there is a purpose behind this issue that is going to be continuing on for many, many more issues. Does that yeah. make any sense? Yeah, it totally does. I think that other than maybe the first arc of, arc of Detective, this was the most successful first arc of Rebirth in, in doing what you described. Um, you know, just setting a really good foundation for the rest of the series. I would argue that maybe Superman did as well. See, I wasn't super hot on that first arc. Personally, I I liked how it started, but it kind of fizzled out for me. That's the, fair. the last issue was like very nice and and fun, but it it didn't really represent what I like about the book. Um, but that was just me. Yeah. Um. All right, let's. Uh, the last book we're going to really focus on before we kind of do quick hits for the last ones are is uh, Wonder Woman number eight, the uh, sort of secret origin of Cheetah issue, uh, written by Greg Rucka, illustrated by um, I'm going to get this name. I'm going to butcher this name too. Let me let me have it in front of me so I can butcher it less than I would normally. Uh, Billquis Evely, do we think that's right? Yeah, that's a great attempt. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I think that's right. Yeah, okay. I think, yeah. Uh, I've never really considered that Cheetah Barbara Minerva would, would have been English before. Is that is that established? I don't know. I have um, no idea. But I actually found her origin relatively interesting here. And she's, she's a character I don't particularly... I don't I don't dislike the character. But I don't really have an affinity for Cheetah, and this made me want to read more Cheetah stories. I thought it was a really good issue. This was a a great interlude issue, I think. Um just really good use of a of a supporting character. Um I liked I I liked everything about this issue. I thought it the the art was fantastic. Oh, the art was great. Um the tone Oh, I just like I. If this was the the first issue of a of a Cheeto book, I I would be in on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. It was really well done. I mean, the the best thing I can say about it uh, is that it's gonna it, it's an it's a night because Bilquis Everly is gonna be the uh, the new artist taking over for. Um, 
Nicola Scott. Yeah, yeah I want to say issue 16 he starts. Some, something like that. And yeah. this yeah. book is going to be in good hands. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I wonder if this story will pick up again there. Maybe. I, oh, man, I really like how it kind of weaved in some of the like mysteries from the current day Wonder Woman storyline with yes. the with the tree um from earlier that was okay so sometimes i get Wonder Woman Earth 1 and this book mixed up in my <laughs> head the the early issues of this book did have the tree with the snake right yes yes okay uh, yeah okay yeah yeah i thought this was great this is uh, those books that we just talked about for the most part, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Let, good week. Yeah, let, let, let's quickly go through the other ones. Um, <laughs> Red Hood and the Outlaws. I continue to like this book way more than I thought. Super surprising. Yeah, it was. It was it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. They're still getting the band together, which is like, you know, I I, I often say that I wish these team books would come together a little more quickly. But agreed. But it's been fine. It's you know, yeah. I guess if you, if you don't count the the rebirth issue, then it's been like one issue per character. So yeah, yeah. I I gotta say though, did he is he whiffing on the Bizarro voice or is that like a conscious choice? To... I think it's a conscious choice. Yeah, because I don't think it's supposed to be like Bizarro Bizarro. You know, obviously right. not. But right. Um... Uh, I I I think both of you have read Starman, right? Well, Not all of it, but a, a good chunk of it, yeah. Did you guys read the Solomon Grundy arc of that? Yeah. Sure. This yeah. kind of reminded me of of the the Bizarro here kind of reminded me of the Grundy from that. Mm-hmm. Like a gentler, sadder Bizarro. Mm-hmm. Which I'm I'm not opposed to in this context. Yeah. I agree, yeah. Yeah, this was fine. Yeah. And Dexter Soy continues to impress me with his art. Oh, he's great. Um, new Superman number four, Vince's favorite book in the history of the world. Um, <laughs> this I actually enjoyed this issue far more than any other issue of the series so far. Hell yeah, baby! I think it started to go someplace. I think it's really good. I like it. I like the di- I like the team dynamic. I like the yeah. I don't know. Like Keenan is the right mix of uh, of arrogant and dumb. Like. <laughs> Like it's just it's just right. I don't know. Interesting, by the way. Before we get to Zach, how this tied into Superwoman this week, also. Yeah, they explained. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 The they first the first time this book has really connected to another Superbook. Pretty tight continuity going on. It in there. is. <laughs> uh, Zach, what do you think about this issue? I'm. I mean, I'm still kind of lukewarm on it. Um, it's fine. Yeah. I just don't know if it's like really. I, just, I don't know what it is. I it just like hasn't grabbed me. I do like I I thought the the twist at the end was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> okay. I love I love Bogdanovic's art. Yes. We've talked before about how he's like channeling Capullo in places. Mm-hmm. This was the most Capullo-y Capullo imitation See, I've ever seen. Honestly, I think a big part of I like I'm I'm not crazy about the art as much. Mm. 
Um, yeah, I did. Ugh. It's not bad. I just don't care for it. And I, I think I'm... it kind of like hinders my enjoyment of the book a little bit. That's fair. That's your right as an American. Yeah. It's just a little too... The like, book is rigged. The book is rigged. It's just like a little too like rough and scratchy. I don't know. There's just something about it. It's totally irrational. It's Crooked not, Bogdanovic not, can't draw not, a straight line. It's not critically sound, my, my opinion on this book, but... No, that's... that's hey, that's part of this. I mean... Art is subjective, my yeah. friend. It is. Yeah. You're right. So, um, up next, and this we're not going in no order. This is just the, the the order in which my the books were stacked on my desk here. Uh, Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps. I have, a, <laughs> well, I have a question for you guys. Is Sinestro wearing space pants? Yes. Because his ass looks out of this space world. <laughs> you missed my pickup line. To quote a... Uh, well, sorry, I was I was channeling a terrible SNL sketch from last season. Okay, now I was saying he's wearing a space mask because his ass looks out of this world. Oh, hi <laughs> oh. yeah, those, those are some weird ass space pants. This is this book was as Zach just described a big wet fart of a it, book. It like looks so good though. Well, because look. no Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah, I know. Like it looks so good. Rafa Sandoval. Like, um, Sandoval. If I have to hear Sinestro talk about. Putting the Sinestro core together and like fighting with Hal Jordan and being exiled from the Green Lantern core, like every issue. Yeah. He's really hung up on it. Yeah. Every issue. <laughs> he's got some issues, man. He's, he's damaged. I, I feel like off camera, when somebody starts to bring it up, all the other Sinestro core members, like, putting their hand across their throat, like, cut it, cut it, don't, don't bring this up. Because they yeah. just know it's going to be a 20 minute soliloquy about Hal fucking Jordan again. And they're just like, oh, I don't have time for this. I got to go grocery shopping. Does he have to talk about this every fucking time? Oh. At, least, at least there was an inexplicable coitus that happened in the middle of one of these. <laughs> there, was, there, was, there wasn't gutter coitus, yeah. Also, also, it's just, it's. It's full Dragon Ball Z now with the way that the power rings just, <laughs> they're just sitting there charging their key. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, this I do book. Come <clears throat> Yes. I, I would actually love it if this book just went full that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But then it would, but then it would have to be drawn by like, uh, uh, friggin' <laughs> who? Wow, n- names are really failing me today. Who draws, uh, uh, Luther Strode? Oh, Trad Moore. Uh, Moore. Thank oh you, Trad Moore. Can you imagine? Uh, Trad Moore Land from book would be. Uh, yeah, where they're just dream. charging up and punching <laughs> one another with big green fists. Because basically, that's what this is. Just without that. Yeah, right. You know? Let's without go full board. Let, let's get Justin Jordan to write this, too. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm in. All right. Did right. Justin Jordan have a have a cup of coffee with the Red Lanterns? No, he did the um, New Guardians. He did the, well, the, the Kyle Rayner book. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, moving on to Deathstroke number four. The, oh. This is oh. A, such a good book. It's, it's so, so good. It's so good. It's it's that whole sequence of him 
ex- of, of Wintergreen explaining the cat and mouse game between Batman and Slade was so fucking enjoyable. Perfect. Also, just Slade hanging out like in the nude <laughs> yeah. in his hotel with his like with his daughter. Which, like, when yeah. you say that, sounds really weird. But just the way it was played, it was just like. It was one of those like, oh, dad. Yeah. She actually <laughs> so says, so she, she says, Slade, Slade. Jesus. <laughs> it's so, so what? great. This is totally normal. Yeah. This is totally normal, Ivanka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I also like how Rose forgets her code name in the middle of the fight. Yes. <laughs> that was oh, that was great, man. Like, you're Audrey. I'm Evan. You're Audrey. What the hell are you doing? So yes. great. Oh. So now, now this is Metal Gear Solid mixed with Archer. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, but, but, uh, but really, I oh my gosh, that I I heard, I saw some people say that like, oh that that narration towards the end was a cheat. You know. No. But no, Fuck no, no, those no. people. No. Oh, it's perfect. Yeah. It's like it was like uh Yeah, because then that that makes the that makes the 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 big panel where Batman like pops in and is like what's up Slade? <laughs> it just makes that whole thing that much more impactful. Like yeah. that that is a guy that knows how to use the comic medium. I'm talking about Christopher Priest and yeah. the artist Joe everyone. Bennett, yeah. Yeah, Joe Bennett. Um but th- that's using the comic medium to like subvert those expectations, yeah. you know? Oh, so good. Yeah. Oh man. And I just like, I love that the, the, the small like tone setting um, panels with, with just like the, the, like one, the, the title for that page or whatever, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. yeah. The code and, and just, tomato. Yeah. 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 And just like the, like, Kind of like how Doom Patrol has those, like, what is Niles Calder doing right, panels yeah. or pages? Like, this has that that flashback one with with Rose and and Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like you know, it, it doesn't like interrupt the flow. It's just like kind of like an interlude, just like an interesting interlude. Yeah, guys, yeah. we have a good Deathstroke book. Oh, who would have? I I mean. I, w- I wouldn't have like completely written this book off just because like Christopher Priest is a is a respected name in in comics, but like man, I could not have expected this to be as good as it is. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. something, man. I just hope it's doing well enough to keep Priest on the book for a while. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also like, when is the last time a book like like this is total New Fifty Two syndrome where you have to bring Batman in? In, in the first five, six issues to keep it from being canceled, but it's like done well. Yeah, yeah, man. The way he used Batman, it's it's a masterclass in doing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, so good, so so good. Um, Background: The Birds of Prey number three, not so good. Yeah, I didn't read this. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this issue kind of lost me a little. I. I'll give it this. I still like kind of how goofy it, it is. You know, like it's willing to be goofy. Yes. Um, the whole Taco but, Tuesday part. Yep. But anything involving the plot or whatever, I couldn't care less about. 
it feels really unimportant. Um, it feels like it just exists to get a Birds of Prey book out there. Yes. With that, with that title, you know. Um, I some people are liking it. I guess that's cool. But yeah, it's just not. Oh, especially this issue. It was just all the Dina flashback bullshit. That which we've seen a, a bunch before, and um, just the villains are not interesting right now. There's there's not a greater arc to this whole thing. At least it doesn't seem like there is. So yeah, this book is heading for a pulp. I mean, it's not offensively bad. It's just there's there, there's nothing grabbing you. Yeah. Not like in Green Arrow. Not like That's in Green Arrow. That's the book where, where the book with Black Canary where things are grabbing. There's a lot of there's a lot of grabbing. I actually there's a lot of grabbing. It was they let you do it. When <laughs> when you're a vigilante, you can grab whoever you want. Um, <laughs> grab them by the pouch. Um, oh. Uh, I was actually going to mention. Utility belt. <laughs> uh, what a garbage human. Yeah, yeah. Real life supervillain. Real life supervillain. Um, I was going to mention this in action comics, but we uh, we kind of floated past that. How like Superman is is when when he's flying with Lois, his he's, his his hands are everywhere. <laughs> Well, I mean, you got it. They they got a kid at home. Like how (laughs) that is true. Like they go on their little fly dates. I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, Not the gentleman that Christopher Reeve was. No. (laughs) Miss Lane. No. Uh, Side note: I said this to Vince in a text last night, and Zach, I'm going to say it to you right now. And listeners, I'm saying this to all of you: the first two episodes of Supergirl this season. Contained the best live action Superman story since the first half of Superman 2. Oh. It is so good. It is so unbelievably good. It's the best. You guys have to catch up. Yeah, I got it. He's still very bootylicious. (laughs) Is that just a trick of the camera or does that carry over? I mean, he's super all over, you know? (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah oh man it's great it's it's absolutely worth all the praise um it's been getting and uh i hope he's back there are already rumors of the cw trying to spin him spin him off into his own show so i don't like i don't want to tangent too hard because i would like to talk about this stuff later um but supergirl is the only show that i'm not caught up on and I'm I'm glad to keep hearing like such great things about it because I feel like the rest of the shows are um, dwindling. Um, even, even even the Flash. Even the Flash. I the Flash is in a weird situation right now because it introduced this Flashpoint timeline last season in the finale, and then dispensed with it very quickly this season, but left some weird like residue there. Uh, somebody actually brought up a it's great. Never good when there's residue. No, googe, no. googe. Yeah, I left some googe there. And uh, somebody actually brought up a really interesting point in the comments at Multiversity this week, which was that 
it's weird that the Flash treats time travel like it's this, um, like every small event. It's essentially Flash prescribes to the butterfly effect, like theory of time travel, where any little thing that's changed can have drastic impacts. And yet the Legends of Tomorrow hop into any time period, <laughs> fuck people, like, literally have sex with strangers and murder people and nothing changes. And how it's just a really weird that those two shows take place in the same universe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry for that CW tangent. We should do it. We should actually, uh, if you guys catch up to, on Supergirl, we should maybe do like a uh, a TV special at some point. I, I would be all in on that. Um, do you know when the crossover is supposed to be? I do what not episodes. I don't. I don't know if they've said yet. I don't think they have. I'm sure they'll put out a bunch of pro like promos and shit. Yeah, yeah. But oh, I'm so excited for that. We should do an episode when that happens and talk about that and maybe like try to read um, Invasion. Is that what it's called? The crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- I'm all for it. Let's do it. At that point, there won't be so many new books. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll have dropped off some of these books and. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of dropping off books, Suicide Squad number four, oh, the last, the, the last man. issue of tonight. <laughs> I mean, it had some Gary Frank art. I'll, I'll give it that. Yeah, uh, the, yeah, the backup was 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 far better than the uh, the main issue visually. Is this is this main book gonna ever get even a modicum better? What, what Zod was this? <laughs> <laughs> Azad, Azad that understands. Things. Azad, <laughs> Azad that understands things in the same way that like Bizarro Superman understands things. <laughs> like, what did he say at one point? Like, what? Oh, is what was the... the thing about being clean? Yes. Oh, where is it? Um... <laughs> Eureka vomit, reptilian art atrocity, and Zod would be clean. <laughs> God. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> cleanliness is next to zodliness. Could you even get that one out? It's so fucking stupid. <laughs> I, well, honestly, like, how did that not make it in there? Like, yeah. Harley, how did Harley not say that? When did you write that? Last Wednesday night? <laughs> no, I just thought of it right now. <laughs> I'm a moron. I'm so dumb. Uh. Um, <laughs> this is uh, this is trash. Um, I actually think that Zod here kind of looks like the older brother of the New Fifty Two Lobo. <laughs> yeah. Like, couldn't you see them being the same family? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I- I'll say this too: Zod has some impressive thighs. Oh yeah. He's he's a big boy here. This is so a I- weird book. It is a weird book. <laughs> I have a theory. Okay. That they just, they don't care about the quality of this book because it's Suicide Squad and it's going to sell. And it's Jim Lee. <laughs> it's Jim Lee. So Rob Williams is like writing on the shitter <laughs> and sending in his scripts. I don't know. Oh, can can I float uh, something I read that I did not pick up on whatsoever? Somebody said that. Captain Boomerang was taken the way that Tim Drake was taken. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. 
And like, oh, oh, that makes perfect sense why he's going to show back up in in Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Yeah, I'm an idiot. But like, I didn't. Nothing in the art tells you that. No. Right. Huh. It's, completely it's completely different from the other way that we've seen people go. But right. But it makes perfect sense that yeah. Ah, geez. Yeah. Um, the backup did have some Gary Frank art. It was a Rick Flag needs to test Harley Quinn story. Yeah. She was hallucinating the Joker, maybe. And uh, it was a, it was. Yeah. It was fine. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like Gary Frank a lot. I'm amazed by the caliber of artists that they get to do these backup features. These terrible backups? <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad as the main issue. but You know, it, it must just be guys that they have waiting in the wings to do other books and, hey, we'll pay you for, you know, eight, eight pages, pages or whatever. Yeah. 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 That's actually a sweet deal for Gary Frank. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Hopefully that paid a month's mortgage or something for him. Yeah, this book. Uh, but um, Riley Rossmo, if you come January, yeah, yeah, baby. Oh, yeah. I'm actually really looking forward to that crossover now. Um, I mean, Josh Williamson's writing it, which is you know a good thing for yeah. And and Tim Seeley is doing the Justice League issues that tie yep. into it. Mm-hmm. So, um. January in general, general is going to be a good month for DC. Oh, man. That multiversity Superman story. Uh, I just, like, I can't believe. So, like, looking at the, the, and this is, you know, again, a tangent. I don't want to spend too much time on. But, like, we've had the Darwin Cook two-parter. Um, there's gonna, Following that, I think, is a, is a Frankenstein two-parter. Um, uh, no, following this first is the there, Super oh, Sons. The one, you're right. There's the Super Sons, and then the, the then it's Frankenstein. Yeah, then Frankenstein. Yeah, you're right. And then Multiversity. Like, a, I love the shorter story arcs. Like, I think that's a great use of the double shipping. Yeah, is to just tell like a short story arc each month, um, and also just doing like such cool things. Um, Plus, yeah. in January we get. Ben Oliver doing two issues of Detective. Oh. Did you guys Wait, see his is that, super? Is that the the lead in to the yes. Batwoman yeah. series two? Okay, and he's the perfect artist for that. Did you guys see the Supergirl he did for the for Multiversity? Yes. Oh man, gorgeous! So great. He's one of the best. He is one of the best, and he's not used enough. No. So I'm glad he's being used on this. Um, yeah. Uh, so that does it for the show, I guess, guys. Uh, go to multiversitycomics.com. Check out all the uh, wonderful stuff going on there. Wait we... a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? We we missed something last week. Uh, did, did you guys realize this? What did we miss last week? Harley Quinn. We we, we, keep, for, we keep forgetting to talk about Harley Quinn. Well, because I haven't read Harley Quinn. <laughs> I'm just saying, did you, guys, did you guys see my tweet that I tweeted? I did. You? I did yeah. see that. She took a big shit in this issue. <laughs> like literally, they showed her taking a dump. How many how many guys out there do you think that does something for? Like Too they're many. really into that? Too many. And there goes the pizza tour down the bowl. 
Is that a, is that a saying? Pizza now it pepper? is. Now it is. I'm gonna start saying that when I go to the bathroom. <laughs> gotta gotta right. gotta get on the old pizza tour. Well, I hate to cut this podcast short, but I gotta go take an old pizza tour. <laughs> See, and I just called that when I let different slices of pizza from my local pizzerias. This pizza's not gonna tour itself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter. I'm at Brian Internet. Vince is at VJ underscore Ostrowski. Zach is at SirFox89. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time.